Welcome to the Ubuntu Nutrition Podcast with me, Patty. Today's episode is a small little solo session where I'll try to convince you to stop labeling foods as either healthy, unhealthy, good or bad. This, in my opinion, is an immensely helpful tool that will provide a lot of value. So please sit back, relax and listen up. What's going on people? Hope you're all doing well. This is episode number nine, I believe. And it's been a while since I did one of my little soliloquaic <laughs> sessions, solo sessions, basically. I don't think soliloquaic is a word, but maybe it is. Okay, couple things. First, I'm on a new podcast microphone. If you listen to the most recent episode with Evan Lynch, my intro was hard on the ears. It was really crackly. I don't know what happened. Well, actually, I do. So, all right, real quick. I recently made the move over to the States, and I was quarantining in this room. And basically, one night I was going into bed, not drunk or anything like that, literally just going to bed. The lights were off, and I went to reach for my water bottle and hit the podcast microphone and it fell out the table, the one I was using. So I didn't think anything was wrong with it. It seemed fine, picked it up, and I recorded a podcast with a, a dude named a dude named Brian O'Hengisa, who is the head nutrition coach of the Fit Clinic in Ireland. And he was, that was an unbelievable session or episode, if I do say so. He provided an insane wealth of insights um, and that's going to be up in a couple of days. But when I went back and listened to it, just before we went into that podcast, he told me there's a bit of fuzz coming from your end. And I was like, hmm. I was like, what's this guy talking about? Because I couldn't hear anything. It was perfect, crystal clear for me. And I was like, well, I just thought it was on his end because I didn't hear anything. And I said, well, if it's not distracting you, maybe we'll just rock on ahead and I can, you know, apply a noise gate. It's just something you can do in GarageBand. And he's like, yeah, no worries at all. But, you know, I downloaded the Zoom file and listened to it back. And I, you like his audio is crystal clear, but mine is, to put it lightly, it's horseshit. Um, and that's an Irish term for, it's basically the same as bullshit, I think. So what I'm going to do, I think, is go back through them through this audio and I'm going to re-ask the questions using my new microphone, which is a Blue Yeti, expensive fucking apparatus, but it sounds really echoey in here and that's because I'm in a new room for the time being while I'm looking at apartments in Boston and it'll just have to do, so I apologize for the echoey poor acoustics. But anyway, yeah, so... I have some unreal guests upcoming on the podcast. I have five confirmed guests in the next two to three weeks, and I'm not going to name them all. I'll give you just a couple. So basically, the timeline is this. I try to have one of my own solo sessions a week, along with a guest. And usually I call those episodes the Performance Tribe, unless they are completely unrelated to performance uh, and sporting and athletics say so 
two guests I have I have Brian O'Hengisa and that is already recorded and that will be out early next week so Monday I'm interviewing Kieran Donaghy who is a famous Irish footballer he's probably one of the top footballers ever he is I don't know why I said probably ever to come out of Ireland and he's also an unbelievable basketball player and I know him through my home basketball team the Trilly Warriors uh, where we played together for a couple of years and so he has agreed to come on and that would be fantastic because you get to see the insight from an athlete you know we can get all of these researchers on and these practitioners but I think it's really really valuable to get the other side so the actual athletic perspective the athletic perspective the athlete's perspective so yeah I'm interviewing him this week and that'll be out next week or the week after and finally I have Alan Aragon who is one of the most prolific researchers in strength and conditioning and nutrition at the moment and if you don't know who he is just take a quick google search or look him up on Instagram uh, I think on Instagram he's the Alan Aragon <laughs> so yeah he's he's big so I, ca- I can't believe he decided to come or he agreed to come on this early when I only have eight episodes under my belt but I'll tell you I'll fucking take it and so if you have any questions uh, pertaining to what I'm going to discuss in that episode is everything muscle gain so if you have any questions pertaining to improving your lean muscle mass if you're someone who just a hard gainer we call them you just can't gain lean muscle mass um or you're looking to we we call it body recomposition you're trying to increase muscle mass while losing fat mass if you have any questions uh around this area send them on to me i'll jot them down and i'll try to squeeze them in and then i sorry i'm gonna mention one more i have the anti-diet dietitian and her name is astrid and she is unreal if you look at her up look her up on instagram it's the anti-diet dietitian and I have her on in a couple of weeks. So that's another amazing guest. She is, I don't know what she specializes in, but I think it really is uh, non-diet approaches to sustainable weight loss and achieving healthy body weight. But if you look at her Instagram, she has amazing guests for Q&As and all her content is very evidence-based, but presented in a way that's very understandable. So I can't wait to have her on. But anyway, I'm already six minutes in. I'm going to try to get this under 30 minutes. So let's dive into today's episode. All right. We touched on this in the episode with Brian, which will be the next one. And it's something that... I could speak on for hours and hours, but I just want to do a small little intro to it so that it, we're better set up for it when we when we graze upon it in the next episode. Wow. Yeah, it's been a while since I've done this. Okay, the topic is foods are not inherently healthy or unhealthy. So what I'm going to try to convince you of today is Foods, all foods, can be sub or can be incorporated into a well balanced and nutritious diet, and that I want you to move toward removing healthy, unhealthy, bad, good labels for specific foods. Now, 
This is, once again, not something I'm preaching from an authoritarian position. I used to make this mistake consistently. So I remember when I mentioned to you guys in the intro episode, myself and my colleague, we started this program called I'll Change Together. And one huge part of that was our Instagram. And we had amassed over three and a half thousand followers on it. And we would just regularly post, you know, informative or what I believe to be informative content around foods and nutrition. However, one of our mistakes was every now and then we would give specific foods a green or red light. Like these are good options or these are bad options. And I'll remember one example where we had one of those packet soups, you know, the powders that you add to a cup and you pour hot boiling water in. And it was this slow motion video of us just dumping it onto the table. And the caption was, is this really food? And anyway, what ensued was uh, a heated, emotionally fueled debate with, uh, with one of my previous colleagues and, and someone I actually respect massively, massively. And at the time, I was just looking through this red lens of anger and emotion. But as I came out of that, I realized this person was 100% correct in that we shouldn't be demonizing foods or adding stigmas um, to foods because that's just not right. All foods, as I said, can be incorporated into a healthy diet or a, I don't like using the word healthy, a well-balanced, nutritious diet. However, as a rule of thumb, it's general advice to try and keep it minimally processed as possible. And, you know, I say the 80-20 rule is 80% whole foods, 20%, you know, snacks, processed, uh, what you would call, I guess, junk food. Okay, so a couple of things there. As me and Brian chatted about, minimally processed is a difficult term to use because in our, today, everything is processed to some degree, really. Um, there's a very minor, minority, there's a very minor set of foods uh, that are completely unprocessed. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's not a great term to use, but for the most part, you're trying to eat foods that have as minimal ingredients as possible. But as I said, you still have 20% to incorporate whatever snacks, whatever treats, whatever highly processed foods you like, um, if that's going to help you adhere to the 80% whole foods. And that's kind of what I'm going to explore today. Today, as if I have an hour to talk about it, I actually have 15 more minutes. So let's get into it. As I said, this is something that I really, really try to live by. And, you know, I'm going through my coaching program now and the, the weight loss challenge I'm launching and I'm implementing habits that are going to be sent to people's phones. And a lot of the habits I, I'm sitting there questioning, okay, would I do this myself? Because that's a huge part of it. Never give advice that you wouldn't follow yourself. And that has led to me taking some of the habits out because I just don't think they're practical. They sound good. They sound great. But people aren't going to actually do them and they're not going to 
help them if they're not going to be able to consistently do them. This one is, it couldn't be the more opposite. This is something that I've tried to practice every single day. So right now I would say that I'm on a good diet. I'm on my well-balanced diet. And every night I have a small bit of ice cream. Every single night. Okay? Um, And I, I don't wake up in the morning saying, fuck, I had some ice cream. I'm off track. I need to get back on track. No, I wake up and say, hey, I'm still going. It's another day. I'm doing great. I'm on track. Ice cream was factored in. It was accounted for. But anyway, that's just a personal anecdote because I believe uh, taking your own medicine is very important when you're someone in the health and fitness or nutrition fields. Okay, so foods are not unhealthy. Diets are. This is huge. Sometimes foods can be attached to these stigmas or stigmatized labels because they're part or synonymous with very, we'll say, unhealthy, even though I don't like that term, but unhealthy diets. So if you look at the typical American or the Western diet, you know, there's a lot of fast food, there's a lot of uh, low or high GI processed carbohydrates. And I suppose those foods are all given that label of the unhealthy American diet, even though it's not the single foods that are contributing to the obesity epidemic. It's the diet as a whole. It's the one to 2,000 excess calories that are being consumed on a daily basis. It's the lack of physical activity. But it's not those independent foods. And that's what's really, really important to understand. And it's something that I'm just beginning to really conceptualize and to to kind of internalize. So when I sat down with some of the players with uh, Claire GA last year, some of them were looking to lose weight. They needed to chop down three or four percent body fat to be at their optimal weight uh, for their performance. And some of them might have been struggling with, you know, snacking or, uh, removing the foods they loved on the advice of coaches and things like that. But I sat down with these people and I said, okay, would the diet that I'm going to give you be easier to follow if you could have a chocolate bar, one of your favorite chocolate bars every single night? And now, not all of them, but some of them sat back like, huh, really? Because diets are looked at as complete removal of everything that's tasty or that's enjoyable and it's like okay we're gonna lock down for the next six weeks you can't eat any shite you're just gonna eat this 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 and that's where this concept of diet anxiety comes from you know um i'm gonna diet for six weeks and then i'm gonna get to my perfect weight and then i'll go back to normal but there should be no normal your diet should be something you can practice consistently It shouldn't be this highly restricted diet for six weeks and then back to normal. Because if you've listened to my earlier podcasts, your weight's just going to come back up. You need to adopt a diet that you can see yourself doing 365 days from now. Okay, and that means incorporating some foods that you love on a daily basis. So 
yeah take the example and apply it to yourself the chocolate bar day is there a f- a, some food that you love that you can portion control effectively without going overboard and that's a the idea of trigger foods which me and brian actually brian gives a great insight to um but i'll hit on now in a second is there a food that you love that you can portion control effectively and if there is put that in on a daily or every two days incorporate that buy buy it in small portions so small packets don't buy a big family share bag if we're talking about crisps don't buy the big family share bag where you have to depend on yourself buy the small six pack where they're tiny little bags so that's just one example because and this is how i want to finish the podcast but momentum is the key ingredient in my eyes for optimizing adherence so the example i use here is a weekend comes you go out drinking with friends you know uh, you get drunk you have a good few drinks the next day you wake up you want some takeaway or some fast food and you feel really bad you have the fear uh, that's an irish term for the alcohol induced anxiety you get after uh, a session of binge drinking and then monday you wake up you trudge to the the kitchen before work and you look at the porridge and you're like ah oh, fuck this i'll i'll start next week because you're starting from square one every single monday you're start, starting from square one but instead if you adopt a more flexible dieting approach which that word is very ambiguous because there's so many different interpretations of it but you set up your diet so that it's very difficult to fall off the wagon for lack of a better term so every monday you wake up even though you had some drinks even though you had some snacks you're like hey i'm still going this is it i'm doing great and for a lot of people that takes working with someone working with a professional a practitioner working with a nutritionist such as myself working with a strength and conditioning coach because now these coaches are way more uh, i would say in tune with flexible dieting approaches rather than giving their clients these rigid meal plans of chicken and rice for lunch chicken and rice and broccoli for dinner uh a bowl of oats for breakfast you know um, everyone's eyes are starting to open up thank god so it is now 18 minutes in i have my timer set up let's becoming a pro at this i'm going to take a sip of water and we're going to dive into the idea of trigger foods real quick okay trigger foods brian said something the other day and you'll hear all this in the podcast i think it was enjoy the foods that you like not the foods that you love i think that was it and i thought that was unreal i thought that was fucking epic so basically we all have trigger foods right and by trigger food it is a food that you can't portion control very well with so brian used the example of and it was hilarious when he said it because i was like oh fuck you're right uh sourdough bread freshly baked sourdough bread i mean people wouldn't think of bread as a trigger food but if you enjoy sourdough bread it is most definitely a trigger food trigger food is when you 
make a little portion of it, you go in, you eat it, and you know, you can't just sit there and forget about it. You have to keep going up for seconds, thirds, fourths. And so those are foods that, yes, you can say, maybe I should avoid them. So an example for me is ice cream is kind of a trigger food for me, but now I've learned, I've implemented some steps to try and avoid going back up and up and up. Um, so one, actually not going back up and up and up, but exceeding the, the optimal portion. So one thing I do is I use a small little cup and I actually pour my, or dish myself out the tiniest amount of ice cream because I know I'm getting back up for seconds. And I think it's sometimes just getting back up for seconds tells your body or your brain is kind of saying, okay, well, I'm getting more and more, even if you're having the small, smallest of the portions. So instead of me lumping a big full bowl of ice cream the first time, I know I'm probably going to go up and get seconds. So why don't, why not put it into a tiny little portion? And so that's just one example, but yeah, ice cream, you know, chocolate can be for some people crisps, uh, things like pizza, fast food, they can be trigger foods that, you know, that for more serious, uh, maybe disordered eating patterns where a small bit of fast food could lead to going back out and getting a whole other meal. And it's very common. So if, if this, if this is something you experience, then you should definitely reach out to someone, um, someone maybe proficient in like a, a psychologist or a therapist proficient in CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, that has been shown to be very effective. But you can also work with a nutritionist as well in combination with that uh, to help you with the diet specific side of things. But anyway, trigger food. So yeah, if you have a trigger food that you know you're always going to be getting back up for seconds with, um, I think it's best maybe to just avoid it. And that was the advice that Brian gave in the podcast as well. So there's nothing wrong with avoiding a couple of foods, even though what I'm trying to convince you of here today is don't label any foods as completely off limits. They're two different things. So that trigger food might be something you enjoy once a month. And, you know, once a month, if you go overboard and you eat a whole tub of Ben and Jerry's, that's okay. That's completely okay. But for the most part, you probably don't want to be doing that on a daily basis. So maybe avoid your trigger foods as your daily snack. Oh yeah, that was good. Hmm. Okay. Now, just before I move on to uh, wrap up, I suppose, I do want to discuss one little study that's very, very interesting. Let me take another sip of water real quick. So Kevin Hall is a very famous researcher. And I'm trying to get him on this uh, in the world of like he's all his studies are looking at obesity and weight gain and the difficulties with that. And so he does a lot of what they're called metabolic chamber studies where they get participants and they lock them in a chamber. It's like a small box room like I'm in now. And basically they can monitor everything. They can monitor absolutely everything. Okay, so the energy expenditure of the, uh, the person, how much they're eating, when they're eating, how much exercise they're doing, uh, what they're doing when they're not exercising, they can literally monitor everything. So it's, it's known as a very well-controlled study, but it's not very practical because who the fuck sits in a box room for 14 hours a day or 14 days? Well, actually, that's basically COVID quarantine time. So <laughs> that's interesting. 
but basically what he did in this study was he looked at high or sorry ultra processed diets versus uh, minimally processed diets so they took 20 overweight subjects they assigned them to 14 days in the metabolic chamber consuming the ultra processed diet then they crossed them over to the minimally processed diet but they did that in a random order so some of the participants got the uh, minimally processed diet first and some got the ultra processed diet now the very interesting side of this was there was no limits on what the participants or how much the participants could eat okay so participants were given you know 60 minutes for each of the three main meals they were told eat as much or as little as you want um you can ask for more and but both diets the amount available to the participants were the exact same in terms of energy so calories, you know, the macronutrients, protein, carbohydrates, and fat. And uh, so then they're looking at the, the findings of this. And what they saw was when consuming the ultra-processed diet, the energy density was much higher. It was almost twice that of the un- or minimally processed diet. And that just basically means more than or almost twice the calories per gram of food. Okay? And that is typically what you see with a high processed diet you get less food for the amount of calories okay because it's so high in fat and it's so high in refined processed carbs Uh, next what they found was even though there was no limits on how much the participants could eat when consuming the ultra processed diet they consumed 500 calories more on average per day and this led to 0.9 kilograms of body weight gained right 50 percent of this was fat mass during the ultra processed diet compared to 0.9 kilograms lost in the minimally processed diet so that is very interesting and then finally in the two diets protein didn't defer protein uh, intake carbohydrate and fat were higher and made up the excess calories in the ultra processed diet and that is what you see in the western diet so i suppose the point i'm trying to make here is if you have a lot of high processed or highly processed foods in your diet yes it will lead to an easier achieved caloric surplus however you know just adding one or two little snacks shouldn't so Try and make up 80% of your daily diet as minimally processed whole foods as possible. Okay, and let me just finish this whole thing off with uh, the adherence and momentum. A little quip, even though I kind of covered it. But my coaching, the way I coach is I want, I I target momentum. I think momentum is huge for... uh, for promoting adherence and adherence is just basically one's ability to stick to whatever goals they've outlined um, and when we're talking about the diet it's you know uh, your calories and your macronutrient ratios uh, your daily habits and so like i say if you can set up your diet where each weekend yes you're enjoying the foods you love you're having a few bevies with friends um, or not if you don't drink but on monday you're, it's not like you're off the wagon and back on. Oh, here we go, Monday again. 
And it's just this weekly process of, yeah, from Monday to Friday, I restrict myself, I cut a bit of weight, and then the weekend, it's fucking shit show again. But rather, Monday, you're like, ah, I'm still fairly on track. This is day number, what, 22 of my diet, not day number one again, you know? In my experience working with clients, I haven't looked into the research on this, in my experience working with clients, momentum is one of the most impactful uh, ingredients for success. Yeah, for sure. So set up your diet in a way that makes it very difficult to fall off the wagon. And I think that is where we ended. No, actually, tips for a Sunday. And if you look at my Instagram, I have a few of these posts. People might think they're clickbait, but they're not. Because I think Sunday is the most pivotal of days for increasing this momentum. Make a nice nutritious meal for dinner. Don't go and get takeaway. Or even if you are getting takeaway, make it not McDonald's or... I don't know, some very, very highly processed food. Something like in Ireland, you have Lana, you know, Asian cuisine, like Asian fusion, where it tastes delicious, but it's also, you're, you're also getting, you know, your protein, your carbs, and you're getting some veg. I would prep your breakfast for the morning so that when you wake up in the morning, you might be dehydrated, you might be tired from Saturday's drinking. You have no choice but to grab that pre-made breakfast. Uh, if you can prep lunch, because then at work or at college, you're not tempted to go to the cafeteria. Again, because of those factors, you're tired, you're sleep deprived. Um, we call it a hedonic drive is increased towards more palatable, uh, satiating foods. Um, and so that's, you know, that's pres- that'll be present at lunch too. I would drink plenty of water on the Sunday and I would relax. I would try to get to bed early. And yeah, I think Target Sunday for your in-between day where you're 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 still enjoying the weekend but you're still getting you're getting into that Monday mode uh, and then you wake up Monday and you're ready to fucking go because you're prepared you know what they say fail to prepare prepare to fail I love that one anyway that is it for me I hope this was enjoyable it was definitely not as meticulously planned or uh, structured as I wanted it to be but yeah I definitely wanted to cover this and I'm sure we'll have more on this in the future with some esteemed guests thank you so much for listening and any questions you have about today's episode please let me know all the show notes will be available on the link in the description thanks so much everyone bye Thanks so much everyone for listening to today's solo session. I just quickly want to advertise one small thing and that is the Ubuntu weight loss challenge, which isn't really a challenge at all. It's just name that because that's what gets everyone's attention. Basically you'll get everything you would get working with a coach in a one-to-one model. Uh, You're just enlisting as a group. Signups open mid-September which is just in a couple of days and all the details will be available uh, along with a pre-sale discount 
I'm donating 20% of all proceeds to a charity which I'm just deciding between two final ones. Um, so I think that's a really good aspect of it. And just keep an eye on my website and my Instagram for the release of details. It's a six week challenge and I promise it will be of immense value. This is the first paid anything that I've ever launched so you can be sure it's going to be a value thank you so much and have a fantastic day